0: Welcome to another episode of Live Good, a podcast created to provide you with value and insight that empowers you to live your good life. I'm really excited about today's guest. Today I have joining me Lisa and Alex, who are the founders of Coffee with Counselors, also CWC Wellness. Um, Welcome guys. I'm really excited to have you all on today.
1: Morning. We're excited too. I don't
0: have coffee, um, but I have tea. So we're <laughs> still kind of gonna have, you know, some type of beverage and still have a conversation, hopefully. Um, but I'm really excited. You guys are doing so many amazing things um in the mental health space. And I feel like you guys really are trying to break that stigma that is around mental health being kind of like a bad thing or meaning that, you know, you need help. But before we kind of dive into all of that, um, I wanted to give you guys an opportunity to kind of introduce yourselves and, you know, what you do, but also how you decided to to get into this field. Yeah.
1: So Alex and I, we met in Oh, in grad school. So day one in grad school. Um oh, cool. 2012. Um, I think Alex had started a little before me, but that's when I started. Um, and so we I saw her in class and I kind of already knew she was in of class a bad bitch. She was already <laughs> nine months pregnant, day one in grad school, and I was like, I want to be her friend. Like we had a very hard professor and day one, I was like, oh, this is this is gonna be hard. Um <laughs> nine months pregnant she was like no we already had a test the next week and she's like no I'll be here and the professor even looked at her like what and I was like I'm gonna be friends with that girl like (laughs) I already knew um and we had talked about it throughout grad school we did a lot of projects together um, a lot of studying together and we already kind of knew like we're gonna go into business together And, and we knew that we just didn't know when or how um and so with our with our field, we have a lot of hours that we have to complete, a lot of intern work. And so we kind of went separate ways and we ended up just randomly at the same place contracted where you're contracted with another therapist, another field of doctors. And so you give a percentage to those people. And Alex and I were kind of like, mm, like, we don't like giving some of our money to somebody <laughs> else. <laughs> um, so we kind of pretty knew that, but we're like, we need money first to get everything going um and so we pandemic hit and we were at a loss of like what do we do because everybody just thought like oh we're going to be in this pandemic two weeks do you remember that oh this yeah. is going to oh, be yeah. two weeks <laughs> so all of all of my clients i don't know about yours um were like oh we'll wait the two weeks out and we'll reschedule okay <laughs> um A month rolls by, same thing. And I was like, okay, how do we do this? And so I was like, you know what? Let's do virtual. Got us set up. And uh, Alex and I were like, what do we do with our free time? Still contracted at another facility. And we're like, hey, you know what? Like, we have a lot of downtime now because everybody's just kind of waiting out the pandemic. And we're like, it's Mental Health Awareness Month. um, Is in May? And we're like, let's start our Instagram. And we were just playing with names and just... Alex and I have always loved coffee. I don't drink it as much now, and I'm drinking water right now. Nice. I haven't nice. Got a of water. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we decided let's do our Instagram and just spread awareness in the Rio Grande Valley. Um, there was a lot of stigma, a lot of people... Um, Not really open to therapy down here. And we just kind of wanted to help people through the pandemic. Like, what can we do with our time? We're figuring out the pandemic, just like everybody else. And so let's talk about stress. Everybody was transitioning work from home, talking about those types of strategies. So we're like, let's just do it for everybody. And so we did that for
2: maybe six months
1: about six months in and we're like we were getting a lot of calls people were asking how to connect with us how to schedule with us and we just said you know what let's it's time and so we just ripped the band-aid and we became cwc wellness um and so different from our name because coffee counselors Uh, we for ethical reasons with our board, we have to have two different names for legal legality purposes for safety for clients and things like that. So that's why we have two different names. So sometimes people get confused. Okay, I,
0: I was like, what do I introduce them by? What do they prefer to go by? So, okay, thanks for explaining that. That makes sense. That's really cool that it really did start during the pandemic. I feel like a lot of good things did come out of it as well as some not so great things. But I feel like during that time, probably more than ever, people really needed that type of support because your home, it's very, it's a stressful time. It's like the unknown and, I mean, parents are home full time with their kids and they don't really have an outlet and having that outlet to be able to talk to somebody about how they're feeling and how to like process that and, and just deal with the stresses was probably super amazing for a lot of people to have. So that's awesome that you guys just kind of saw the opportunity and the need. I think that's the biggest thing is you guys really created you were trying to solve a problem. And you really like created that for people. So that's amazing. How did you, did you guys both knew, like when you were younger, did you know that you wanted to be counselors and this was kind of what you wanted to get it into? Or was it something that you figured out along the way? Cause I know like for me, I'm a health and wellness coach and it was, you know, something that I needed, or I think could have benefited me. So once I got educated on it, I was like, wow, this is really cool how I feel. I want to share that with other people. Did you guys have a similar experience? Or did you know, like, this is what I want to do when I grow up?
2: Yeah. So so for me personally, uh, my mom has always worked in the special education department at, at school uh, with the Edinburgh School District. And <clears throat> I've always done, you know, substituting and, you know, kind of just been there to help with any events. And, you know, I really grew to love working with individuals with disabilities in general. Um, so when I initially started school in the program that we were in, it was geared more towards, um, I guess, life skills and and along with mental health. So it wasn't just a mental health focus. It was basically overall life coaching, uh, being able to help people with, you know, getting a job, you know, vocational counseling, mental health counseling. And it touched base on a little bit of everything. Um, Then the master's program kind of zoned in on mental health uh, a lot more. And as we started taking classes that geared more towards, you know, the counseling aspect as a a therapist, you know, for, for me, I loved, I loved it. And, you know, it's not something that I ever, I think, you know, taking a few steps back, I think people hear the word therapist or counselor, and they don't think of mental health. You know, you hear a therapist and they're like, oh, like physical therapy, occupational therapy, and a counselor, I get a lot of, oh, a school counselor, you know, and and it's neither yeah. one of those. You know, a mental health therapist is not something that's a, like super known uh, yeah. occupation, just because we're not exposed to a lot of, you know,
0: let's talk about our feelings kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, agreed. We definitely, I feel, I mean, I grew up in the Valley. I grew up in Harlingen too. And I don't think that that was ever something that people really talked about. Like, I don't even think I remember a teacher asking me, how are you feeling today, right? Like you were <laughs> talking about your feelings. Yeah. Um, so I think that there, there is probably still a lot of getting to know. So it's cool that you guys are creating that space here because I know you guys also do a lot with, schools and stuff like that i've seen a little bit of involvement with that too which is really cool because i think as kids grow they don't know how to process feelings or what kind of feelings they're going through and stuff like that so that's really awesome that you guys are doing that um so you kind of figured it out as you went the more you learned about it you kind of were like hey this is something that i'm really interested in and that i want to like really pursue That's really cool. I like that. I think that was kind of one of the things for me. I didn't even know that being a coach was like a thing aside from a coach, like you're coaching basketball, like in school or something. And whenever I would tell people like, oh yeah, I'm a coach. They're like, like a trainer. I'm like, well, yes, but we talk about, we do other (laughs) things. Um, um, Yeah. I'm like, especially with my, for me personally, with my clients, I'm really big into understanding like why, how did we get here? So it's those conversations to really understand people's behaviorals and just kind of their mindset and kind of making that shift. So I'm sure it's the same for you. You're not a school counselor. You're having a lot more in-depth conversations that really go into that. Lisa, how did you figure out that this was something you wanted to do?
1: So for me, um, I, me and my, a couple of my best friends, we, we're going into our bachelor's and I was actually going into nursing and I would think I was always told since I was younger, Oh, Lisa's going to be a nurse, right? I'm, I'm Lisa's going to be a nurse. And I was like, okay, I'm going to be a nurse. And so that's just always what I was told. And that's what my family wanted for me and that's okay. But um, I had a friend of mine who wasn't doing so hot in nursing school and it scared me to death and I was like no like I'm started comparing myself already and those self-limiting beliefs and I was like no if she can't do it I can't do it and so I was in a psychology class right before I was applying to nursing school I was already in the process actually but I was in this intro to psychology and I was like okay I went to my advisor and I was like look my friend's not doing good. I'm scared. I don't want this for me. I really like the psychology class. What can I do? And she's like, well, you're going to postpone your graduation if we have to switch or whatever. And I was like, okay. And I was like, well, it is what it is. And so I was like, I'm going to do it. And I let my fear get to me. In this case, it worked out very well. <laughs> um, but um, It doesn't always work like that. Um, and so I switched. That's when I switched my bachelor's and I switched to um, rehab services, is what our bachelors was called, and like Alex was saying, it kind of went into many different things of mental health. It went into uh, physical therapy, occupation therapy, to where you can really vocational. So you could really figure out where in the rehab area you want to be. So I was like, okay, this is awesome. I'm learning a little bit of everything instead of just, oh, you're in nursing school. That's all you get, right? So I was like, okay, I, I like that. I have many options of where I can go from here. Um, And so as I learned more about mental health, I was like, I was still kind of like, oh, maybe I'll do OT, maybe I'll do PT. Um, And I was still trying to figure it out. But as I took more and more psychology classes, when I was younger, I was in counseling. My family put me in counseling just for different life events um, that I had gone through, whether it was grief or um, separation, things like that. And just um, it never worked. I never talked with the person I never felt comfortable I would just play and be quiet and like they would ask me questions I'd say like yes no mind you this was like an old man yeah Um, so first I'm like this little girl like I think the first time I was like in elementary another time I was like in high school and I was like oh why am I here like why is my mom making me do this but it was just to make sure I was okay but I was always with an older man because they were doctors, right? They were psychologists. And I was like, I'm not going to open up to old man. Like he, yeah. he could be my grandpa. And I was like, mm. <laughs> and so I just never really, I was, I was like, it didn't work. And so as I was taking the courses, I was like, you know what? I want to be someone that someone can talk to because I remember it probably would have benefited me when I was younger and I just didn't feel comfortable because it wasn't the right fit. And so I wanted to be the right fit for somebody, and so that's kind of how I dove in. And I was like, okay, let's try this. And I went into grad school, and that's how I fell into it.
0: Nice, I love that you you brought out so many good things too. Like I love how you kind of broke out of what you were told that you were supposed to do. It's like you're so, which I think happens a lot of times. And I'm so happy that you like I don't say super early on, but you were able to make that change still in college. Versus I've met so many grown adults who. Are in careers that they are necessarily, they don't want to be in them. And I'm like, well, why are you doing this if you're not happy? And they're like, well, it pays good. And this was just kind of what, you know, they told me was a good career And I was like, I think having passion for what you do and really enjoy it is the difference between, in my opinion, being super successful and not because you're happy, like you're making a living, but you're also happy and you're like purpose driven. So I love that you were able to identify like, this isn't necessarily what I want to be doing or the value, the best value I think I can provide for people. So that's really cool. And, and also, yes, changing the roles to where it therapy is not one size fits all. And I think when you when people think of therapy too, they do probably think of an older man or a, a, an old, you know, doctor in a room, like, how do you feel like very like, and it doesn't, like, oh, gee, <laughs> it's yeah, like, that, that's not, I think we've evolved, Times has evolved. And I like that you guys do really bring that spin to it also where it is more modern. And it seems like you're just having conversations, allowing people to feel safe and vulnerable and really talk to you guys about how they're feeling and not feel like they're being studied or diagnosed every minute that they're spending with you. Um how do you guys feel like um you create that space for people? What are some things that you really aim to to provide when creating a safe space for for people that you're working with?
2: For me, I do like um a very laid back approach. I I gear a lot of my sessions to be very like we're just having a conversation. We you know, um I do like to, you know, I I feel like I, in my life, you know, I've been through a lot of situations that a lot of my clients have been through. Mm-hmm. And I do share some of those little, um, I guess, notes for them. So they don't feel alone. Um, so they don't feel like they're the only ones going through this. And so for me, it, a big one is like, I know this is hard to implement strategies. You know, I teach this on a daily basis, and it's still hard for me to implement these step strategies. So you know, kind of stick with it and, you know, work towards implementing that in your day to day life kind of thing. um yeah. not necessarily personal examples, but you know, yeah, letting you know that this is a struggle for a lot of people, you yeah. know, even knowing the the coping strategies and and the tools that you can use to help yourself it's not easy. You know, yeah. it's, it's hard.
0: I like that. The, the relatability is, I think what really makes it okay. Cause then you're allowing them to, th- they know that maybe they won't get it right away and it's going to be a process. Cause it's still even a process, you know, for you. And I think that's a, that's a huge thing for people to say, Hey, I've been there. Maybe not the exact same situation, but we all have something that we're having to, you know, work on and work through. Um, On y'all's Instagram, it says um, y'all's like purpose, I'm assuming it's helping others let go of self-limiting beliefs, increase self-love and heal. I love that. And that really stuck out to me. And that's why I wanted to have, I mean, one of the reasons why I wanted to have you guys on was to talk about um, self-limiting beliefs and really, you know, what that means and how people can, you know, break through that or also where they stem from. Um, so what do you, what are some, you know, most common or what, what's y'all's perspective on, do you think that self-limiting beliefs are something that we create, or do you think that it's something that, you know, can be created for us when we're, you know, young and we don't even know, and we kind of carry that on with us?
1: Yeah. So self-limiting beliefs, I mean, it really does start from childhood, um, and I know some people don't like to hear that because we don't want to like shift blame, right, to like family or certain people. But our self-limiting beliefs are built in our subconscious. Mm-hmm. And so they are things that likely you heard growing up. And our our subconscious and our self-limiting beliefs begin from zero years old to six years old is the starting point. And so whether it be your self-limiting beliefs on like body image or your financial um, status or your um, like just who you are as a person, if you're kind, if you're a bad person, um, these are all things that get started in childhood. And so whether you were the bad kid and we build a what we call all or nothing thinking either something is all good or something is all bad and so same thing as in if you're a good person you're all good and if you're a bad person you're going to be bad forever and so it really starts to limit us really early on um and so it can also be things that often we hear other people say so maybe not something that was directly towards you. But if you had a mom growing up that had body image issues, and she would constantly look look in the mirror and be like, I'm fat, or I need to lose five pounds, or I can't eat that because it has a lot of carbs use that starts to ingrain in your mind. And you begin to subconsciously make choices around food based off of what you hear mom because Ideally, usually you look up to your parents, you look up to whoever raised you, because that's who you're around the most when you're growing up. And so that's how that starts.
0: Yeah, I, I agree 100% on that. And I think it is um, children really mimic what they see. And also whenever you you tell them certain things when they're little, they really carry them like that really sticks with them. And, and they really, it's a little unfortunate because it probably does, it hinders a lot of possibilities for kids when they are, you know, kind of told or seen these certain things. Um, What do you think is, um, is a way that, you know, parents early on, obviously, because I feel like you'd want to get ahead of the problem. What are some approaches or things that parents could do to do the opposite and not create self-limiting beliefs, but really empower their children to, you know, we're raising, Little adults eventually they will be adults. What are some ways that they could set them up to where they don't have those self-limiting beliefs um, when they're older?
2: Yeah, so a lot of that is where that self love comes into play, right? Being able to sometimes being able to practice self love for someone else is a lot easier. So, like for for my kids, like I try to have that awareness of what I'm saying to myself around. My kids, you know what, uh, what you know, what I'm doing around my kids, so that they don't pick up on little things that maybe are insecurities for me um, because of the those how it molds those self limiting beliefs. But being very self aware, recognizing that even if you don't think your kids are listening, they are all the time, one hundred percent. Even if they're in the other room, they're listening. So, really uh, being able to have that self awareness, being able to maybe shift that self love to, like, you know what, I need to love myself to benefit others. If you're struggling with that self love, um, can be helpful with all of those things. Of course, you know, we're human. So, we mess up, we say things that, you know, maybe we shouldn't say in front of our kids, Um, having conversations with them. Um, being able to share, you know what? I was feeling really insecure at that time when I said that, but, you know, I realized this this and this, right? Having those little conversations, a lot of people are like, the kids don't understand. they don't, you know, you don't need to do that., uh, but really, they do, they do understand. And even if they don't understand in those moments, they'll grow to understand and, you know, build that self-awareness for themselves as well. To know like, okay, there's there's another way to look at this.
0: Yeah. No, agreed. Cause I think looking back, there's a lot of things that like my parents did or said, and I'm like, that probably wasn't the best. But but then now being aware and being older, there's also so many resources, I think, now, right? To where we're like, okay. I'm feeling like this, where is this stemming from and how can I kind of like, you know, heal or process, you know, how that made me feel then so that it doesn't continue to affect me now as an adult. Um, You know, as adults, when we grow and we do, we, I think, For me personally, I'm able to like identify those things. Do you guys come across or experience a lot of people that they're working on their healing journey from past, you know, childhood trauma or those self-limiting beliefs that were, you know, created when they were younger? How do, what does that process kind of look like for them? Or how can people first, how do you think that they can identify if they do have self-limiting beliefs?
1: So. A way that I help my clients identify is one, building self-awareness. Obviously, there's some awareness that something is going on, something um, has affected you, or there's something that you wanna change. And so self-limiting beliefs and your subconscious really impact how you think, how you act, um, and how you feel, um, behave really. And so there's already some self-awareness when you reach out to a therapist, right? Um, and so it's really looking at where do you feel stuck and really bringing awareness to reflecting on, okay, I feel stuck. Okay. In what areas of your life do you feel stuck? Whether that be job, whether that be not exercising, working out, or maybe it's depression that has you feeling stuck or anxious. So before, let me go back, before we even start with kind of changing the way our brain works and the way that we think and bringing that awareness to it, we want to first and foremost, I always want to make sure that there's nothing medically going on with my clients, because there are some things that physical health really impacts your mental health. And so depending on what a client tells me of how long something has been going on, how much they tell me i really dive deep my first session of in everything your history your medical everything and so depending on what they tell me i want to first i always ask them like when's the last time you got a physical when's the last time you saw your ob if you're a female checking your hormones getting a physical done just to make sure all your levels are in in Mm -hmm. range right because vitamin D affects things, vitamin B12 affects things, um, your thyroid hormone affects things, um, estrogen, all of those things. And so wanting to make sure everything is balanced first, because sometimes it is just physical health. There are autoimmune diseases, there are different things that cause that stuckness, cause the depression, cause the anxiety. And so we want to really get down to root cause. And if you tell me, okay, everything's good, I'm healthy, like Those things Then, okay, now we dive deeper into more history and where you feel stuck. And so the way we reflect on that is really asking yourself hard questions of what is it that I want to change? And why haven't I changed? Why am I not able to make the changes? A lot of times change and patterns are a cycle. And the reason why they're a cycle is because you're not doing anything different. What choices are you making? And so if you're telling me, I feel stuck in my job, I hate my boss, and I am always behind on my work, I mean, your different self-limiting beliefs could be maybe you think you can't do anything hard. Maybe your job is challenging and it got hard, but the hard tasks are the hardest. And so sometimes it's fear of failure. And so, well, are you tackling those tasks? Well, no, it was really hard. So I took a break. And what are you doing? Oh, well, I took a break and I'm mindlessly scrolling. And now my whole work day has passed by. Okay. And now I'm in trouble. Now I have a meeting, right, with my boss. And I'm in trouble because I didn't do X, Y, and Z. Okay. Did you work on that? Did you work on that project? We laid it like, did we lay out like our, did we do time management well? No. Did we make different choices? No. Okay. Why aren't we making different choices? You're going to keep repeating the cycle. And so we really start to try to dive deep into the cycle. So So
2: essentially taking accountability initially to own up to, you know what, I myself have a big, uh, Part to play in where I'm at. And I have that opportunity to change it. So like we were saying, you know, people who get, uh, feel like, oh, well, this stem was stemming from childhood, or this, uh, this situation is because I was in this situation when I was younger, which may be true. And sometimes it, it, or a lot of the times, it's good to know where certain behaviors stem from, but to use that as like a well, you know, this is not me, you know, it was my childhood. So that's kind of how I am. Um
1: kind that's of a big one. This is kind I of, it
2: just blows I like up y'all
0: are saying. <laughs> cause, <laughs> yeah, no, I, cause I can relate and also because I think I have similar perspective. And we obviously we're not just saying this because we that's not why I had them on. We I'm just now realizing y'all's approach, but it's really good because I have come across, you know, they're like, well, I didn't know, or this is just what I was told, or this is something. And I think a lot of times when you do have a bad example growing up, you know, you could just use that. I don't know if this is the best verbiage, but as a little bit of a crutch to say, that's why I have these behaviorals, right? Or yeah. on the flip side, you can say, this was what I was shown, but I know that it's not the right way and I want to do better. So I'm going to take that accountability to try to do better. And I love that you mentioned accountability because I think that is the biggest part of any type of change is taking accountability of how you can react to the situation and how you can change it. Because like Lisa said, nothing changes and nothing changes, right? So if you want different, sometimes it means doing different things Doing hard, challenging things, and and growing and learning from that. So you guys have a really good perspective on that. But I'll I'll let you guys continue. On I just had to interrupt to say I love everything I'm (laughs)
1: hearing. you're good. Um, Another thing I have my clients do is keep a log, start journaling and writing down your self-limiting beliefs. Sometimes we don't understand what a self-limiting belief is, but any negative thinking, your thoughts from the day, there will be patterns in there that come up, things that you're frustrated with, irritated with, that come up that you're like, I can't get out of this rut. And so like Alex started to say is is those excuses. Are we giving ourselves an excuse? excuse. And so whether it be this is just how I am and looking at if you look at other people too and social media is a big part of this now too, of where people have a lot of aware can have a lot of awareness of their negative thoughts is are you comparing yourself to other people oh well this person grew up with money so they have endless opportunities and i didn't i didn't go to college i didn't do this and so i can't be like that person and oh she's so lucky or he's so lucky and so that comparison game comes in right and so what we have to know is that what happens is we do have an infinite amount of opportunities. You just have to look at what your opportunities are. They may not be the same as the other person that you're comparing yourself to. But again, going back to what are you changing? If you're not changing anything, you're going to stay where you are. Right. And so really looking at how are you limiting your opportunities with your, your thinking?
2: Yeah. So so journaling can help build awareness of all of that. Sometimes journaling can be hard at least from what I've seen uh, yeah. either just something that people see as very tedious or something that's like is it even worth my time or like I don't even know what I'm thinking there's so many thoughts going on in my head how do I journal that right and for me I tell a lot of my clients like I don't care if it's word vomit on the paper right we can process what you wrote down later we can review it i mean people can review it themselves as well right so being able to just throw all your thoughts on paper doesn't need to make sense and then reviewing it later to kind of pull out okay what are those self limiting beliefs what are the truths in my thought patterns you know our thoughts are our subconscious thoughts are there to help us survive they're, they're not yeah. there to help us feel good right? We are working on, our thoughts are working on survival mode all the time. So based on your experiences, you know, your mind is going to prepare you for something that's very similar that you went through, you know, early on. Um, And that's where a lot of the uh, worst case scenarios pop up. Like, well, I need to prepare for the worst kind of thing, which is, can be helpful to prepare for those things, but to hold on to those uh, beliefs is where it can become self-limiting right and so journaling that processing it later so not just journaling and putting that aside and never looking back at it but going through those things processing them and kind of breaking it down as far as like okay what are truths in this what are false th- th- yeah and how can I challenge all of these things how can I what can I do to change what these thoughts uh are are putting me through or are they you know limiting me are they uh holding me back from something that i really want
0: yeah that's that's true and i like that cuz a lot of the time i feel like when i bring up journaling to my clients they're like i don't know how to do that it's so hard or, or like meditation they're like i don't want to just be there i don't know what to write or how to start and i'm like it's literally just for you and sometimes just writing out how you're feeling then you can step back and, you know, why am I feeling like that? What's causing me or why does seeing this make me feel like that when it it shouldn't? And I, I almost think journaling sometimes is a good way to kind of take your power back a little bit too, because like you said, you can find the truths in them, but also the false. So you can kind of break, break through that. So that's really cool that you guys, I love the approach that you guys take with that. Um, I think it's like, it's very simplified, but it seems so effective. And I think that's where having somebody that's working with you, like going to a therapist to help you with that is so big because as much as we want to say, I can do it on my own, we, we can't <laughs> like it's to be sitting down and trying to write everything right It's really hard to process that. And then sometimes I think we'll get in our own heads about that as well. Do you ever, um, have people give you pushback or be a little resistant to the process of it. Cause, cause I know the process is never linear. Right. And so there are like, sometimes things come up that maybe we don't want to hear, or we don't want to take accountability for because nobody wants to do that sometimes. Um, how do you guys kind of work through that to make sure that, you know, even though it's hard and maybe they don't want to do it, you're, you're helping them and guiding them along the way.
1: So from the get-go, I kind of let my clients know as we start to get into the journey of it of like you're gonna be a tug of war. And there might be some days where you're like, I didn't do anything Lisa told me to do. I still want you to show up, even if you didn't do anything we worked on. Because the most important part is that you continue to show up for yourself, not for me, for yourself. And even if you didn't do homework, right? And so also part of part of that is um is I let them know like, eventually you're at that tug of war, right? But eventually what happens too is eventually through all this work, there comes a point where either you're not doing the work, you're going to eventually get tired and annoyed of yourself is usually what I see happen. Um, And then sometimes depending on the client, depending on my rapport and just kind of depend, each client is different. Sometimes I'll shoot it straight if I have to. Um, And I'll let them know like, hey, like I'm going to shoot it straight right now because I, I think you need a little bit of a push and I break it gently to them. But I shoot it straight because sometimes people need to hear that. And some clients will tell me like in the beginning, whenever we meet, like I want someone that shoots it straight. I'm like, OK, I can do that. Um, And so I have no problem doing that if I need to. Um, I can usually gauge which clients I can do that with and which I can't. Um, and I think that comes with experience. Yeah. Um, but I also let people know too, when I start to meet with them, like, Hey, like day one, I tell them, look, if there comes a point where you don't like me, whether it's you think my voice is annoying or whatever it is. If you don't like me, let me know. I won't take offense to that. I got my own therapist for that. I'm not going to take offense. Um, and so and you we let will me know. Help you find yeah, somebody. I will help you yeah. find somebody else who is the right fit for you. So don't just not show up because you don't like me or because you don't like my approach. Like each therapist is different and has a different approach. And so making sure you understand that if I can't help you, that doesn't mean someone else out there can't. Yeah. So whether that uh life coach, fitness coach, a therapist. It doesn't matter. Just keep trying. Yeah. yeah.
0: It's like think, you have to find the one that, that, that yeah, is, yeah, is. for you. And and that's when you find the, that's when you have the breakthroughs, right? When you find someone that you're like, okay, this person is, is speaking my language. Like everyone has a different approach that they want to receive the feedback or be, you know, challenged a little bit and all of that.
2: Yeah. yeah. I think in my sessions, I, I like to tell all my clients right off the bat um, that, you know, they know themselves more than I do. Mm-hmm. So they're the leaders in yes. in these sessions. They control how fast or how slow we go through this process. Um and you know, as they're as they're the ones that get to choose how much they share with me, how little they share with me, whether they're sharing truths or whether they're kind of working around the the core thing that's going on, all of that is going to impact how much progress they see. Yeah. Right. Uh, but I do like to, to put that kind of pressure on them as far as like, okay, you are in control for, uh, with your progress. Yes. Yeah.
1: They guide the sessions specifically if there's like trauma that is self-limiting um, I give my clients a heads up of like, Hey, we're going to dive deeper into this specific part of your timeline of, of your life, um, next week or in, in your next session, two weeks, what, what, whatever whenever it is. And I let them know. And I tell them if something comes up or if your stress level is really high, or you just, it's too heavy for that day, depending on how the rest of the week went for you, you let me know. And I'll have another game plan. I always have a plan B. So if we can't get to it, I'm not gonna force you to get into something that you can't. If you had like a work deadline or if there was something that happened, your kids got sick, whatever it is that you're you just can't, you just let me know. You guide your session, you also get to choose. You a lot of people have more power than they think because I have had clients that come to me that have seen a different therapist before and they're like. I just felt like I was rushed or I had to talk about something or they just asked so many questions and and I wasn't ready yet. And I'm like, okay, that's not how I work. I give you a heads up, you let me know. Okay, this is yes, I'm ready, let's do this. Obviously, I'll also know if you're like keep postponing it. Right. I c- can uh, get that, too. But if it is something that came up that week where it's just too heavy and you can't and we're not ready yet, you're not ready yet. I'm not mm-hmm. going to force you to do anything you're not ready to do. Yeah. So it's like a, it's yeah. a balancing.
0: Yeah. And I think like any any time someone embarks on like that journey, to, you know, better themselves, It it's always, it shouldn't be rushed cause, and it's not a one size fits all. Some people might work through it really quickly and it's for some people, it might take longer to open up. So I like that you guys give them that, that power of like, they kind of set their own pace. And that probably tells you guys a lot too. Like you're probably able to identify on that journey, like where they are with the healing process from, you know, whatever trauma, maybe they are working through. And things like that. Um, how have you guys found that as people really start to break through these self-limiting beliefs that their self-love kind of increases and that they may be, you know, how does someone's lifestyle, how would you say that that changes for someone when they are able to break through those self-limiting beliefs that they might have suffered from prior?
2: Uh, so I I would say like, I've had some. If this, if this is what you mean. I, I've had some clients who will like come back to sessions and they maybe made a big change. Like a big one is setting boundaries because mm-hmm. um, a lot of people have self-limiting beliefs that they can't tell people no. They can't push people aside and put themselves first. You know, they can't make themselves a priority. Um, and then they set those boundaries and they're just so excited that... Yeah things were so less stru- so much less stressful for them throughout that week or you know they were able to take care of themselves throughout that week and nobody was mad that they you know put a boundary and sometimes people do get mad but you know they they get over it right they they work through that themselves as well but they just have this like wow like i didn't know i could do that i didn't know that that was
1: something that was allowed yeah. <laughs> A big one, I, I know I t- I took a big pause there, but I immediately thought about, I talk a lot about healthy relationships um, and lately very common topic is all these dating apps. And so creating boundaries for yourself and, and respect with that self-love aspect, because again, with the boundaries mm-hmm. and the healthy relationships and that self-love kind of comes in and, and you know your worth. Um, and so I see a lot of change in that. Um, of how they approach dating, how they approach their relationships, how they approach communication with the boundaries, like you're saying, saying no to things um, and being confident in saying no and and respecting themselves and respecting time as well. Um, when it comes to jobs that kind of just want us working all the time, even after our eight to five and they answer emails and phone calls. And I'm like, no, we can't, we can't do that. It um, can't be available all the time. Um, and so a lot of changes with that too, when that self-love comes in.
0: Yeah, that's 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 good. Cool that you said that I was just thinking about that. Sorry, I was like stuttering there. I was like processing it. I was like, um, no, but I think that is really true. And and I always I have single friends and stuff, and I was single too, and I dated people that I probably shouldn't have. But I think then part of it, I look back and I'm like, I allowed certain things to be done or said that I shouldn't have, but it's because my self-worth wasn't necessarily where it is now. Right. So I think, yeah, once you break through those self-limiting beliefs, whatever they are, and a lot of the times it's thinking we don't deserve this, or this is the best that we have. So we need to just, you know, make do with whatever it is. Once we break through that, then I think you're able to really realize that like the sky is the limit for you and you can have those things. And like you mentioned earlier, maybe our opportunities aren't all the same, but we all have the same opportunity. We just have a different like starting line, right? I always like to say like, everyone starts a different starting line, but the finish line could be the same for anyone if you continue to go and move forward. But yeah, that's true. I think self-limiting beliefs really does tie into relationships, like in a, in a big way, because you are kind of setting the tone for your partner and kind of what you expect and, you know, what you're putting out as well. So that's really interesting to kind of put it in that aspect as well. Do you guys ever work with, um, do you do like couple coaching as well, or do you just do individual?
2: I do couples counseling. I do a lot of couples counseling. Yeah.
0: Well, cool. nice. I, um, I'm always interested in that. I haven't done couples counseling, but I, I do therapy individually. It's been huge for me and like my journey and I'm a huge advocate for it. That's why I wanted to have you guys on as well. Cause I think it is something that in the past has been a little bit of a Oh, people tend to think that if you're going to therapy it's because something's wrong. And I don't even think that it has to be that something's wrong. It could be just like, I'm good, but maybe I want to be better. And there's always something, you know, there's always ways to continue. And you even said, you know, you have a therapist as well. And I think that's really cool because I always say, you know, coaches need coaches, therapists, everyone needs that accountability or support as well. You guys are doing such awesome stuff. And I really like the approach that you guys have on, you definitely challenge your clients a little bit, but you also really listen to their needs and they kind of tell you what they need probably sometimes without even saying anything. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's really cool. Um, What advice would you guys give somebody who, you know, maybe through whatever we were talking about, something stuck with them and they were able to identify maybe i have you know some self-limiting beliefs and maybe i am hindering myself a little bit what advice would you give them what could be you know the first step for them kind of starting their journey
1: start small when you identify what changes you want to make i always tell my clients it's very important again going back to that all or nothing mentality that i was talking about uh, in the case of self any beliefs, I was saying everything's all good or all bad, but the all or nothing thinking is also um where you have to do everything at once or else you're a failure and it's not gonna happen for you. And so whether it's, you know what, I wanna get fit, I wanna work out, okay, let's start small. You don't have to, yes, you can get a gym membership. And I and I this is an exact example I give my clients is in college I worked at a gym and the biggest I would get a Good bonus because everybody would sign up in December because they were getting ready for a new year, new me. And then come March, April, the gym was super slow. And it was because of that all or nothing thinking. And so it's starting small of you don't have to go to the gym every day if that's your goal. Start small. Say, okay, you know what? I'm gonna go at least two times a week. And if I go more, great. And if I don't go, it's okay. I can try again. I can try again next week. And then slowly building yourself up. The following, the following uh two weeks later, okay. Now I'm gonna go three times a week. Okay, the next week once I am uh consistent with that, then I'm gonna go four days a week, then I'm gonna go five days a week. Start small. Anything you do, start small. Don't you don't have to do everything.
2: Yeah. Be being patient with yourself. Uh really holding on to that self-compassion. You know, good things happen with time. They take time. Good things take time. So no uh recognizing that okay For that example specifically, I'm not going to just go to the gym and be able to do everything by the second day, right? It's a process. And um, when we do things right, when we, you know, really focus on that end goal, it could seem like it takes a little while and that's okay. We know we're taking the steps, you know, so taking a step back and and asking ourselves, you know, okay, are we taking the steps to get to where we want to be? And really knowing and holding on to that, you know what, I'm doing it. I'm I will get there.
0: Yeah. I love that you guys use the gym approach because obviously that's like-
1: <laughs> I was trying to think I was like, how can I make this relatable to Ashley's clients? <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, yeah. And I mean, we we are the same way with all of our clients. Like if I have a client who's only worked out, they're not working out at all, and we're creating a new plan for them. I'm not gonna and I always ask, how many days a week would you like to train? And then I ask how many days a week can you train, right? So if you're not doing any, we're going to start with two or three. And I always say we can always add more, but I've noticed that if you try to go, you know, zero to a hundred and you're trying to do five days a week, and then you try to reschedule. And then I see them stacking them two on a day. I'm like, Hey, we're not going to the NFL. We don't need to do two a days. You should only be hitting that. even go one workout a day. So I'm like, let's start small and build on it because a lot of times when they do miss, then they get discouraged. And then they do fall into that all or nothing like, well, I messed up on, I missed my workout. So I'm just going to go eat, you know, all of this stuff because it doesn't even matter. And I'm like, there's always small stuff that you do have control of that you can focus on and start small and build. I I love that. And I mean, That's so funny when you mentioned the gym membership, because my husband, Anthony used to work at a gym and he used to say during March, we'd have so many cancellations because everyone would like start off and then they'd be like, I just don't have time. And, you know, sometimes some weeks I work out five days a week, some days I work out two and I don't feel any worse either week. It's just, Hey, you have to just control what you can, but that was really good advice. And you guys offer like some really good perspective, some really great, um, I think tools and resources that I think a lot of people, because even me, as we were having the conversation, I was like, okay, like I definitely can identify with some of that. So it is really awesome. And then where can um, where can people find you if anyone's interested in working with you guys or you know seeing what services you guys have available? Where, where can they find you?
1: So we are on Instagram and Facebook. Um, Coffee with at Coffee with Counselors underscore. Right? Yes. It's under short. Yeah. And then Psychology
2: Today, it's under CWC Wellness PLLC. Okay. Um, they can just Google CWC Wellness, and Psychology Today will pop up. Yes. Yeah. Psycho- Along with a whole bunch of other. Yeah. Opportunities for counselors if they do Just in
1: general. If they don't
2: like us. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah. Psychology Today is a website, and you can literally just search for a therapist in your area.
2: Closest to you. Closest so if you're looking you. for in-person counseling as well, that's that's a, a good place
0: to go to figure out where to awesome. go. And I will also, um, in the show notes, I'll go ahead and share all of you guys' stuff. That way it's easy if people do want to work with you because I personally would want to if I tuned in today. Um, mm-hmm. But I'll have all the links for everything. Um. So we'll share everything with all our listeners. If you guys are interested in working with Lisa and Alex, they are amazing. They're super resourceful. And it sounds like they're definitely there to give you the push you might need to help you be, you know, the best you, you can be, but we hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. We will be sharing all the links and where you can find them in the notes. So make sure to give them a follow for any mental health tips and resources. Bye.